You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Pride of Detroit on Twitter, uh, maybe not for much longer. We're keeping an eye on that, maybe. But join the Pride of Detroit Discord. We'll have links for you. If you know, you know. As we come to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, we just put out the post-game podcast, and now it's time for POD cast because we get it was so nice. We get to celebrate it twice. That's right. Lions 31, Chicago stinky ass Bears 30. If I sound like a bit of a fan, it's because I am, because I really get fired up when the Lions get to beat the Bears. This was the game where I feel like everyone was really rooting for Justin Fields. And by everyone, I mean national people, uh, Chicago, which always drives a lot of it. The broadcast was very much so gushing over everything Justin Fields did. So it always feels good when you get to play spoiler to something like that. When you get to be the bad guy and the Lions got to be the bad guy here. And the good guys became the bad guys and did good things. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. We're running a two-man crew today. Bring him right in. Salute to the producer, the fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Jeremy. Christopher. The Lions are a game and a half back of the uh, San Francisco 49ers for a wildcard spot. Uh, right, two well, division wins. Let's, let's pump the brakes there and let's just sit here and enjoy the moment right now oh, because you don't have to tell me twice. I'll I'll be honest. I I feel like the Lions have stolen back to back games a little bit, and I know that's going to sound like I'm playing wet blanket here, and maybe I am, but I I don't want to because I want to celebrate that. When when have the Lions ever stolen games? The games seem to always be stolen from us. To so to see the Lions really get outplayed almost in back to back weeks and still win feels pretty darn good. And on a day in which Justin Fields was all over the like. 
when when you see this game being replayed on ESPN, you're going to get four Justin Fields replays and maybe one Lions replay, and it's probably going to be the pick six. Um, the pick six and, is probably and, the sacks at the end of the game, right? And rightfully so. Like, I'm, I mean, listen, the Lions hung with them in the first half. They had the horrible third quarter that they seem to always be having now. And and I want to give the Lions credit, too, because that fourth quarter was fantastic. It was fantastic defensively outside of one play, one very bad play. It was fantastic offensively, too. Jared Goff was really good in the fourth quarter. And that that 91-yard 90, game-winning drive on a day in which you didn't have a run game, that's kind of incredible. So the Lions deserve a lot of credit, but it felt like they got outplayed most this game. So I'm just... I'm just happy that Lions stole a couple games, man, because it feels it feels good. They are definitely stealing this game here. And yeah, I, I under I agree why that feels good, because as you said, the past two years, the Lions have been on the receiving end of of having those games stolen. It's these are the games that are close near the end that we just sit there and watch the Lions fumble it away. Or it, or it was something like when the Bears go up 24 to 10. Suddenly I see many fans being like, that's it. It's over. The this defense can't stop Justin Fields. It just I, doesn't matter what dude, the I felt that way. Yeah, After everyone the Lions did. went down 14 points. I thought, well, there's no way they're gonna Ball stop game. Justin Fields long Ball enough game. to to get back in this one. And I felt really good after Jeff Akuda pick six. And what does Justin Fields do? The very next drive. Boom. Gets revenge immediately on on Jeff Okuda. He's the last man to not catch him as he goes all the way to the house. I'm like, oh damn, I feel like Sisyphus just rolling that boulder up the hill, man. It's just everything is just going to come against it. But no, the Lions made the plays they needed to at the end. Jared Goff, who I will continue to ride through the end, but he made, he, as you said, he had a great fourth, he had a good fourth quarter. He had key drives. You know, he, we got him under pressure. Well, Jared Goff plays well, kind of like I would do, like the final hours when an assignment was due in like, undergrad in college right just cramming it all together but guess what he crammed it together at the right time tom kennedy with a uh with a big 44 yard yeah. catch <laughs> on top of amon ross st brown another 10 reception game great to see him back in form for the sun god but i feel well, like I mean, the story can, can we stick with jared goff for a second here or do let, we want to stick with jared goff segment I, for later i i, I want uh, i think we'll get into individual players i just want to real quick you want to go to him in a second that's fine i just sure. real quick before we do but i feel like this game was crazy enough you get you put the ball what, what's the one thing we've always dreaded jeremy putting the game in the hands of the defense to win it and we yeah. saw like when the lions scored that touchdown to go up and let's be clear they went up because cairo santos missed missed a pat Sure. And that PAT did not affect the flow of the game at all. Like they, that, that PAT mattered a lot, but when he scored, it was like, Oh crap, you've left way too much time for Justin Fields here. Yeah. way left way too much time. We've seen the script before. Nope, nope, nope. Aiden Hutchinson sack. And then my God, how many guys did that take to really bring him down at the end? But damn it, Julian McQuarrie took him down and that's all that mattered ball game. And, and, Let's be clear, that game-winning drive was an absolutely dominant performance by the Lions defense because the old, they didn't have a successful play. They ran six plays, and none of them were successful. They get bailed out by a, a holding on Kirby Joseph, correctly called, I should say, on a third and five. But first down, Justin Fields gets five yards. You'll take that on a, on a design run. Incomplete pass. I think Okuda breaks that one up, who... Another guy we need to talk about. Then you get the the incomplete pass, the, the defensive holding. So a new set of downs. Incomplete pass. Sack, short pass for seven yards, sack. That was an, they they never even came close. Like last week, we were biting our fingernails because Aaron Rodgers converted on a couple fourth downs. 
the Bears not even never even got close on that drive. And so, again, I want to reiterate, as bad as the defense was through maybe the first three quarters, and understandably so in some of these cases, this, Bear, this Bears offense is good. They shut the Bears down in the fourth quarter. Absolutely, positively, 160-whatever-yard run aside on, again, on a really hard play to stop. And you know what it is, Jeremy? I know it's not represented in your analytics. That's clutch. Yeah. No, that's called away, clutch time. That's, take that's called Justin clutch Fields time. Long run and, and how no, he's still at a good <laughs> No, but still, like you you wanted the big players. The Lions needed both Jared Goff and the defense to show up big in that fourth quarter. And they and did. They both did. Yeah. Like that. When have we seen the Lions answer that bell completely since maybe, yeah. I don't know, the Vikings game last year? <laughs> Chad is just saying dagger time over and over again. Yeah, that was, <laughs> dagger I mean, that time. Was, that is a dagger time moment where uh, when your Lions team is making play after play in the fourth quarter, because what was it earlier in the season? It was the exact opposite. The Lions are mm-hmm. having a lead in the fourth quarter. All they need to do is make one play to seal the victory. Now the roles are reversed. The Bears probably just needed to make one play to seal this victory. And the Lions just kept making play after play after play. And I really think most of it was was really spawned from, from that defensive performance. They made it possible. Let me ask you, because is this... And I hate, I feel like I'm casting a bit of a pale on this already, just, just by even asking this. But yeah. given what we're watching from the Packers and given that the Bears seem to be heading to a high draft pick, are the Lions just getting opportune matchups against teams that they're able to really punch at? Or is this part of a trend where it feels like this team is really starting to come together? They're snapping, coming together. They didn't have Malcolm Rodriguez in this game, but they were still able to get good a good game out of Alex Anzalone. Kirby Joseph, sure. Fall, like Definitely a kind of a 180 from his performance against the Packers, but Jeff Okuda gives you a pig six. Jeff Okuda gives you some great coverage in this game, and it feels like it feels like if there's at least one part that breaks somewhere for the Lions, there's at least another part that will come in and fix it a little bit. Am I say they're world beaters? No, absolutely not. But they're but as this is a week to week league, you've now had two weeks where they've been able to hang tough with these teams. Do you think this is part of a trend here? And and to be fair, we can even include the Dolphins loss in that too. Like I know the Dolphins were just a hard team to beat. They're just better than you, period, because they've got Tyreek Hill. But these past three weeks, I feel like has shown marked improvement from what, and that's all we've wanted to see all this entire year is sure. marked improvement from, from the, the young guns. Yeah. And the young ones and the defense, but yeah, no, I think there is something to your point. Like they are playing worse teams, but in retrospect, I mean, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Like you look back at the schedule that the Lions had through the first six games and it was like, oh, that actually turned out to be kind of tough. A lot of yes. these teams like Seattle were way harder than we thought they were going to be. Um, and so, yeah, like, Again, like this is what good teams do is they take care of the soft part on their schedule. And who knew it was going to be the Packers and the Bears, but it turned out to be. And and yes, you'd like them to win a little bit more comfortably, but we all know the lines aren't there yet. So you'll take a, you'll you'll listen any season of the year. You'll take back to back division wins, especially if one of those comes on the road. And so especially if one, like they're the gonna, Packers and the Bears. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like as much as I have this weird relationship with the Vikings. Packers and the Bears are the ones you want to beat, right? I, I, listen, I don't like they should have the, the Vikings, Vikings too. Me. The, the Vikings, Vikings have this. Me. Yeah, I don't know what the Vikings are doing. I don't know who. Boy, that game against the Bills was like the most cursed thing I've watched. I, I can't believe it. It was it was ridiculous, but they keep getting away with stuff. So maybe you don't feel so bad about the Vikings getting away with one on you because they've been doing it to everybody. But but listen, like this, this Lions team is is, is scrappy right now. And, and I don't like using kind of 
silly terms like that, but they're scrappy and they're getting by and more injuries to the secondary in this game. And they still keep on getting by. I, I thought the secondary played relatively okay outside of, you know, Kirby Joseph, who had a very rough game, but listen, I just, I, I don't know. I, yeah, and, I don't know where like my they, mind is going right now because it, it was it was a little crazy of a game. But um, I think the impressive thing about the offense too is that once again they did it without a ground game. I think they asked Jamal Williams about it after the game because he's once again your rushing leader with only fifty nine yards. Yeah, DeAndre Swift's very like six six carries for six yards with on a the long ground of nine with a long of nine with a long Figure of nine math. like. <laughs> Yeah, and not, not even included in, in much of the passing game. I know he's been upset about his usage, but like we did see one play out of DeAndre Swift to convert. What was it to convert to a, to a first down, I believe? Well, yeah, he scored a so, touchdown too. He sc- yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, he did score the touchdown, but like still his overall usage in this game, very low. Justin right. Jackson actually had more, more net yards than he did. Yeah. But I think that even with that all in mind, Jamal Williams was still like, just like, yeah, we just, toughed it out, man. It's, it's overcoming it. Playing in the NFL is, is at any moment having one of your limbs tied behind your back. Cause that, that's just what the other defense is going to do. They have the game plan. You have to have a plan for getting punched in the face. If, if the, if the bears decide they're going to knock out your ground game for you, you have to be ready to adapt. And the lions in this case, look, it, I, I'm going to say this again. It comes down to Kyra Santos missing the PAT. Because otherwise it's a tied game at the end and maybe it's played a little bit differently. And, you know, it just who, who knows how an overtime would go. But the Lions capitalized on all of the opportunities they were given, especially yeah, late in the a game. A lot of a lot of penalties on the Bears that that helped them throughout the way. But yeah, but yeah, yeah let's, Bears, let's Bears go. fans, Bears fans apparently are are very salty about mad. that. But let who, them be who mad. Hashtag we own the Bears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be more disciplined. But like, yeah, usually you get those penalties and the Lions can't capitalize on that. The Lions capitalize on the penalties. Sure. But I want I want to go back to the to the lack of a run game because again, that that's going to springboard back to my point about Jared Goff, who in the middle of the third quarter, when things were taking a turn for the worst, I put out a very snarky tweet. I'm I'm going to call myself out where I said, show me those last two plays of Jared Goff on repeat until the Lions draft a quarterback. Because it was, I'll tell you what the two-play sequence was. It was after another one of the three and outs. Um, they, Goff took a bad sack on second down where uh, I think it was Mark Sanchez rightfully called him out for not stepping up when there was a heck of a pocket to step up into. So they lose more yards on that play. Third down, he short arms a pass to Shane Zilstra, who doesn't come up with it. It's a low pass. And I'm just like, I'm done with this guy. I hate him. He's he's screwing up the game when when the Lions defense isn't faltering. He's not is faltering. He's not able to keep up in a shootout. And what does he do the rest of the game? Lights out. I like the, the one thing that we've we've said about Jared Goff is that if he doesn't have his receiving core, he is incapable of throwing the ball. The Lions had to rely on him. All, it's the only reason they moved the ball in the first half mm-hmm. to get 10 points. And it's the reason that they scored 14 offensive points in the fourth quarter, because he was balling horrible in the third quarter, balling in the first, second and fourth. He was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I get labeled as the biggest Jared Goff hater. I still don't think he's our quarterback of the future. I still want them to draft a quarterback, but credit where credit's due. The Lions did not have any receivers in this game, and he made Tom Kennedy look good on one play. Khalif Raymond had a couple of big catches, and Amon Ra is a dude. So, listen, Jared Goff played well in this game. I'm going to give him like an A or an A- minus in this game, and and people are going to be getting mad, and people, but people get mad no matter what you say about Jared Goff. Right. But I think he deserves a lot of credit in this game. I, I really do. Yeah. And, and And this is with the one caveat that he threw a very – 
golf-like interception that would have ended the game had one of the Bears cornerbacks not punched, you know, uh, uh, who, what's his name? Trinity oh, Benson in the Trinity face. Benson in the like a throat, a throat punch, whatever it was. It was. <laughs> and I hope he's OK, because apparently like that threw him off Ooh. balance and he hurt his knee um, and, and never yeah. came back. But um, but yeah, like if <laughs> play never happens, so it doesn't count. But that was that was a very Jared Goff moment that that we get to throw in the trash because the Bears messed up. Otherwise, yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was good in this game. I thought he was like, I, look, I I, really good. I I think you can do better. I still think you can do better than Jared Goff. But when he has a good game, he has a good game. Even though it's against a defense that I thought is not great from the from the Bears, who have traded away a lot of their key sure. pieces on defense. Yep. But you've got to beat the team that's in front of you. So you know. You, the, the winner gets to dictate everything and, you know, stories are born in, by both the victors and in the losing locker room. And Jared Goff gets to be the victor here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I have I've, my questions have always been about his long term viability, but that's not a question for this podcast. We're here to celebrate this win and to talk about how the Lions won this game and what it really means for the rest of the season. Ultimately, I don't think Jared Goff's play. He played well. He got him the win. But I don't think this will this tips the scales one way or another on how the Lions should be considering their quarterback for the future. Yeah. No. So. I, I, yeah. Again, we we can we can kick the can on the Jared Goff offseason conversation down the road because the Lions are winning. Yeah. So who the who the heck cares? Let's, we, we've got we've got what nine more nine more games to play. Eight more. Eight more. Excuse me. God, this season's flying by. Is that right? What are we? Three and six. Three and six. We're three and six. So yeah, yeah. damn. Eight. This this season's flying by. Really. I don't know, man. I feel like we've gone through a lot already and we're only halfway there. <laughs> I know I am kind of halfway dead, to be honest. I, I think there is something about how some of these like that one that that 1 p.m. window for the most for the entire NFL today has been very exciting. Not just because the Lions were playing in it, but, you know, now I'm looking at this 4 p.m. window where I have to watch John Walford taking on uh, Colt McCoy. So the NFL gives the NFL takes away just like we do. And we're going to take a quick break here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It is November. And by the way, not only are we give, are we raising money for the Alzheimer's Association, just going live today are several auction items we are we are donating. We're putting up for auctions and the winnings and the proceeds from those auctions go toward go towards, excuse me, the crisis text line a mental health resource for anxiety, for suicide prevention, for a lot of really good things. And it's hundred percent free. It's in it, it, it helps point people to mental health care uh, resources. It's a, a very, very important resource out there. We want to raise money for it. So to do that, we have a lot of good swag, Jeremy, what, what, what are we, what are we, uh, what are we auctioning off right now? I'll I'll name literally everything that's available right now. We have an Aiden Hutchinson signed football provided us by the Detroit Lions. So it's an official football, just like we have a signed Jamal Williams football also signed. Two big um, stars from this get from this game, people. Absolutely. Two big, two big players. Um given to us by a fan, we have a signed Charles Harris football as well. We have a signed Jeff Okuda rookie card by that same person who donated it, um, which we very much appreciate. And then some of my, 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 maybe my two favorite, again, donated by a fan, custom paintings of Amon Ross St. Brown and Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, go to eBay, um, 
you can either search them on eBay, go to pridedetroit.com. It's also available there. Um, but really, really cool prizes. Yeah, can we shout out? The, can we shout out the artist for this? Uh, let me make sure I get their name right, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. She's Xing Yun. I believe that's sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at at C H I S H I N G A G Art on Instagram. They yep. do oil paintings. I love this Rodrigo one. It's him in the cowboy outfit. Yes, it's 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 amazing. And 100 percent of those proceeds go to the crisis text line. We're not taking a. a a, a cent of it we're paying for shipping so you don't have to worry about any of that so those uh the the bidding ends on november 23rd i believe that's wednesday wednesday morning wednesday november 23rd at 9 a.m eastern yeah sorry just taking care of some there so those those are going to be up for a while again bid early bid often because those those proceeds will go to the crisis text line it's our we're doing that instead of splitting up the month for november and I yep. think that's a, it's a good compromise for that. So do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to get in some individual performances, probably dive a little bit more into Jared Goff, more into Jamal Williams. Sun God, praise the sun. I got a lot of players I want to talk about. Yeah, I think I think speaking of which, some of those players will show up. And by the way, I noticed of all those guys we've had for those game for those balls we're giving away. The only one we have not talked to in the past is Charles Harris. So maybe someone to knock off later on talk to him but we'll be uh, but uh, of course the big one for the day for me is uh hefe oh hefe we'll get to it we'll get yes. to it we'll get to all that next but first the pride of detroit pod cast is brought to you by righteous felon craft jerky now you can really crack some of that jerky because that fuels your detroit lo- lions that's right righteous felon jerky and meat sticks <laughs> they're available to lions players at the training facilities at allen park and you know they loaded up on that before going to chicago they had a whole they, all, they had a whole secret stash on the team bus, man. Each two-ounce gra- bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has, and each meat stick has eight grams of protein. They're like adult Slim Jims. They're great. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions beating the Bears, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon, based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, they used locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical stereotypical jerky offering. What do you think Jamal Williams had? You had the beer-infused jerky? You had the uh, bourbon I that, Franklin? I think that Carolina Reaper. I think he's... The Carolina he's, Reaper? He doesn't fear the Reaper. He don't fear no Reaper. That's right. Carolina Reaper. Baby Blues barbecue with a habanero. Mm. The, but guess what, guys? We're giving you a promo code on top of it, too. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use that promo code POD15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order, and you're going to want to stock up because we got holidays coming up, man. Meat gifts. Meat gifts. Meat gifts. Gives the gifts of meat. (laughs) Promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Meat gifts. (laughs) Hashtag meat gifts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride the Detroit POD cast. Let's talk about some of the individual players from this game. Some of the ones that yeah. stood out. And I feel like we got our, our game balls right here. And I know you've got, you want to go your Michigan man, but we start with Hefe and Hefe. We start with Jeff Okuda, who uh, this was a hell of a game for him. Hell of, hell, of, hell of a game from him capped off, of course, with the pick six, which Aiden Hutchinson created a lot of that pressure, but. Okuda made the play. He had the heads up to get it back to the house. He had bears, bears in front of him. Still took it in, man. And I don't think he 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 didn't let much come past him when it was coming his way either. Like I think an understated part of this was that most of Justin Fields' damage came on the ground and through busted coverages. And I know that Jeff Okuda was not covering Cole Komet. So right. I think we can rack up a lot of this to Jeff Okuda just being. Once again, very quiet and very good at his job and a lot of accolades late in this game. He leads a lot of the highlight reels with that pick six for the Lions because that was a that was a key pick six too, Jeremy. No, oh, to really no keep the Lions in this game. I, I like like we said in the first segment, I, I didn't give a lot of chance for the Lions to come back in this game. And when you get a, a defensive score like that, it, it it's huge. I mean, it's it it shifts everything. And um he deserves credit for making the play. I, I I do think he's getting a little a little bit overhyped. Not that he had a bad game. He didn't. I mean, but you look at the stat sheet. He has a he has a tackle, a pass breakup, and an interception, a pick six. It was a critical play, and I don't think he gave up any plays. Like, listen, if, if the plays if the ball isn't coming your way, you can't make any plays. But if the ball isn't coming your way, that probably means you're doing your job too. So, definitely a great game for Okuda, and I think more than anything, just like a really cool moment for him too, right? First pick six of his career. He's, he's, he's come through so much to get to this moment, to make such a critical play in the fourth quarter. It's just awesome to see. It's, it's a great story. And so Jeff Okuda was a great story in this game. Was he a, a playmaker? He was a, a literal playmaker, maybe not a plays maker today, but listen, huge plays are huge plays. And he made a huge play in this game. Well, I think we just continue to see progress from Jeff Okuda from a man who is still like, again, considering all he's overcome, considering all that he's dealt with, be it, you know, a, 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 a coaching staff during his rookie year that didn't use him properly and then had to relearn everything. And then as soon as he did, he tears his Achilles and has to come back from that. And everything we've seen, and we talked about this before, about his habit of shutting down some of the great wide receivers of this league early in this season that he did going up against Devonta Smith and, and scary Terry and all the rest, like, and Justin Jefferson, who was a monster, who's a monster. I, that bills, that bills Vikings game continues to just be etched in my brain right now. Jeff Okuda is doing all that. Yeah. And I think I'm not going to take anything away from his day. I I don't, I wouldn't want to, 
fans of this podcast know I'm, I've been in that dude's corner since the beginning. So, well, also considering like this, this secondary has once again had had a rough week. Like AJ Parker, I think was cut earlier this week. He was, and he, he might come yeah. back, but yeah. And and this was not after a nice breakout game from Kirby Joseph last week. Kirby Joseph was kind of in the dog shed for this one. <laughs> I mean, we we all have to remember he's a rookie, and I think he yes. reminded us in this one that he he is a he's rookie. still human. He's still human. Um, Kirby with- Kirby likes to suck things up, and then sometimes if you don't swallow him, you spit it back out. I've played the Kirby <laughs> video games, <laughs> and that's what like- happened here. I, I know there's there some people who are going to bag on him that's that said like oh is his, he got his, his head got too big and and like okay let's let's pump the brakes no, on that no I don't think I don't think that happens he, he's learning he's seeing new things like he he probably has not seen a guy like Justin Fields I know I know he played in the Big Ten and, and may have literally played against him but I mean in an NFL offense um, and so yeah he he made a couple m- mental mistakes in this game and it it got some people being very frustrated. And I know, I know even Ryan sent off a, like, can we fire Aubrey plus in a second time tweet? Which, like, <laughs> listen, it, it's funny. And it's, it, it was a step back for him. No, quite a big step back. Considering coming back down to earth. Yeah. All the things we were saying about the Lions secondary last week, no, no mental mistakes. It seemed like against green Bay, they had a couple this week, but it's also important to remember that in the end, Justin Fields finished with 167 passing yards. They were not torched through the air in this game. And Justin Fields doesn't really do that to anybody. And listen, you take away one, one big play to Cole Komet. Barely, he doesn't even throw for 120 yards in this game. So I still think overall, good day for the secondary, especially Jeff Okuda. Step back for Kirby Joseph. Maybe, I, I do think the Lions were hurt a little bit, losing Deshaun Elliott at halftime as well. Um, I didn't think that uh, CJ Moore stepped in and did a, a particularly good job, but they, they hung in there and they made plays at the end. So um, overall secondary yeah. still, still trending up, which is good, right? Because that's, that's what we were wondering after last week was, was that a flash in the pan or are we just going to see them drop back to, to crappiness? And I, yeah. you know, it wasn't a good defensive day, but it was better. No, it wasn't a great defensive day. I did like what I saw out of Alex Anzalone kind of leading the day too, especially with Malcolm Rodriguez out for this game. Yeah. You know, Anzalone sometimes gets quiet, but this was not one of those days for Alex Anzalone. He was out there and he made a, a hell of a stop. I think, what, what was that in the red zone? I forget when that, that was late in the game, I believe. My brain might be on the on the fritz though, on the eggnog already. Sure. But uh, but yeah, let's talk but about can we your, talk, uh, Can we talk about yeah, Aiden talk now? About your, let's talk, talk about, about your Michigan Aiden, boy. Let's talk, talk about, about Michigan man. Friend of, the, friend of the show, Aiden Hutchinson, even before <laughs> he was drafted, he was on the podcast with us. Yeah. Um, Aiden Hutchinson once again another big day for the big man. Not just in the not just in the sack he had against uh, against Justin Fields late, but I thought a lot of the pressure they put on them. Like, look, uh, Dan Campbell said after the game they just don't have anyone to spy Justin Fields like that. They were trying with I think they sent Aiden Hutchinson out there every now and then to spy, and I think Alex Anzalone was spying a few times as well. But they just don't have a dedicated guy to. QB spy, someone like Justin Fields. But I thought even in spite of that, Aiden Hutchinson created a lot of pressure and made Jeff, Justin Field in the pocket very uncomfortable and either forced him to run or just wasn't making a lot of great throws. Here's what I'll say about Aiden Hutchinson. The the coaches have been saying this one line over and over and over again and again about him. And I had been a little skeptical of what they've been saying. And what they've been saying is, He's a guy that does not make the same mistake twice. And if you go back to that game against the Jets, I'm sorry, not the Jets, the the Seahawks, and Geno Smith 
just kept getting him to bite on play action on anything. He would swoop down and Geno Smith would roll out and have all the ha- that half of the si- side of the field available to him. Aiden Hutchinson locked down his side of the field this game. I think if you guys are going to go back and watch this game, anytime Justin Fields tried to escape his side, nothing doing. Aiden was playing very, very disciplined football. And the, 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 the key moment for him was not the sack at the end of the game. It was the interception. That was mm-hmm. all Aiden Hutchinson. And, and I thought Mark Sanchez did a great job highlighting it because Aiden sees the screen. It's almost like last week where he sees, you know, the, the pass back happening to, to uh, Bakhtiari. He sees the play developing before it's there. He drops back. Justin Fields pumps. He can't throw that. Aiden Hutchinson is going to throw it away. So he waits a beat. Then the pressure comes from other players and Justin Fields throws a horrible ball and it gets picked off by Jeff Okuda. But that pick never happens if it isn't for Aiden Hutchinson. And and how about that? Yeah, that now I remember the play you're talking about where, where Aiden Hutchinson comes from the other side of the field on the goal line and just throws David Montgomery like, <laughs> like, he's, a, like he's a piece of tissue paper. He was all over the damn place today, man. And for the people that have been dunking on him on Twitter, like, I'm, I might come back at you this week. I'm, I'm going to say because that dude Listen, balled out. Like it's it, we're going to keep coming back to what we came back to it last week. The one things we've been wanting to see is progress from the rookies, right? And Aiden Hutchinson still a rookie, and I think all you can ask is that he's going to keep developing in the past few in the next few years. And I think also too, like where he is and given his personality, you want him to be a leader of this team. And a lot of what he does is stuff you kind of expect from a leader in the locker room moving forward too. Not just in his playmaking ability, but also in just how he's just, as you say, that he's not making the same mistake twice. It's that constant improvement, that constant development that he is trying to angle for. And at the end of the day, just being in there on every play, creating that pressure, even when you're not the one racking up the sack, just helping just put just just, just to put the offense on its other foot, on its back foot and making them making them awkward. I want to say this too about the defensive line, because I know they're going to get a lot of hate for this game. And I think up the middle, they deserve it. I don't think this was a very good game for, for bugs or, or for McNeil, but, I, and, and I know, I know this next statement is going to sound crazy, but I actually think the lines did an okay job managing Justin Fields in the pocket. And, and this is, there, there's, there's a, a, a difference between, so I know, I know Justin Fields finished with whatever, 147 rushing yards, but those are mostly undesigned run plays, which is different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting him get loose on passing plays. He didn't do that that often. Early in the game, it happened once or twice. You saw Julian Aquara lose, contain early. The touchdown run was obviously an opportunity where they, they lost because Bugs missed the tackle there. But other than that, I thought they actually did a really good job. And it's, it's the reason why they got three sacks on the days like, there were a lot of times Justin Fields just kind of running back and forth and couldn't find a lane to escape. And that I think was one of the keys that the Lions were trying to hone in on in this game. And they didn't get beat by that a lot. So Hutchinson deserves some credit. I thought outside of that very first play, I thought Julian O'Quara actually played kind of decently too. So as, as yeah, bad Julian as, as with a sack, like, that, was, that was, that was a hell of a struggle was. sack. That was a hell of a struggle. True. Yes. Good effort on him there. I know, I know the bears, 260 rushing yards, 7.4 carry up the middle is a problem and and they're going to have to fix that. But I thought, I thought they actually, again, I know this sounds crazy. I thought they actually contain Justin Fields. Okay. In this game. Yeah. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. I did not think it was a great day for the offensive line. 
if we're being honest. You are correct. No, it was, I think a lot of the problems with the run game starts, unfortunately, with the offensive line. I didn't think Sewell played that well. I didn't think, um, uh, no, I'll turn it over to you because I just kind of saw the whole unit kind of just struggling yeah, there. And, and I, again, we have to impress, this isn't a great Bears defense. They just spent- it's a horrible Bears They defense. spent the trade deadline trading away like Roquan Smith and every one of their big defensive names that they had. Yeah. So for the Lions to be struggling to establish the ground game, to establish themselves on the line of scrimmage the way they did, and even in pass protection several yep. times, just Bears coming right up the middle unguarded, that that that's a little bit worrying as we start to get into the back half of the NFL season for the Lions. That's right. that's that's worrying that there's not as much progress there. And again, I think I think you could turn that into a positive spin it into a positive and be like, wow, Jared Goff actually with with no run game, with with not great pass protection, still at a hell of a well, game. We'll get to Jared Goff. But, we'll, we'll dig into yeah, Jared yeah. Goff's game in a second. Let's start with the O line, though. I I don't have a particular guy I want to pick on because I, I again, like you, I, I think I need to see, I need to go back and rewatch and see who's to blame there. But yeah, this ultimately, is a Bears... it's a, it's it's, it's, a unit, it's a unit, and you have to give blame and credit as yes. a unit. This is a Bears unit that was giving up four point nine yards per carry going into this game. The Lions did not manage to get past three point one. They did score two touchdowns in, in the running game both on, on well-blocked plays, but those came far too few, few and far between a lot of negative plays in the running game today, a lot of negative plays. And I know some people want to point blame on Deandre Swift, but these guys, this, remember this was a, a running back unit that was leading the league in yards before contact. And in this game, they were getting hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's I, 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 I don't know what the hell went wrong. I don't know if the lines were being too predictable I don't know why they suck so bad on third and one, but it drives me crazy. But it was it was a bad day. And and in pass protection, it was good at times. But at other times, the Bears just had a free run. Just inconsistent. Just, inconsistent. Just, I don't know if, it, if it's not, you know, sliding protection right, not picking up blitzes right. Maybe maybe the, the Bears deserve a little bit credit. Maybe they did something not on paper that, that, that created that pressure because there were some interesting looks that they threw at the lines that they clearly weren't ready for. But it was a very disappointing game from the offensive line in a game which I thought that was their path to victory, was just to ground and pound their way to a win. And again, I, I kind of want to back up and be like, the fact that that's not how they won this game is kind of miraculous and maybe a, 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 a chip on everyone else's shoulder, a, a, a check I mean, even though, even though we got two, like, two touchdowns for running backs still in this game, all the same, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, but still, like, I think in a macro sense, you can look in that game and say, yeah, this was not a great Lions didn't really get to impose their will through the trenches in this game at all. That said, they did end the game on the run game, which was like that. That's the what another like they were going to win that game anyways. Like even even if the Lions didn't get a first down on that last drive, Bears would have gotten with like 10 seconds. And unless something very linesy was happened, they were going to win that game. But it also was kind of nice to see them run when the bears knew they were going to run the ball and still run and get that first down and, and win the game. It's just, that needs to be more consistent. It was, it was way too inconsistent today and way too many negative plays that killed some of those third quarter drives. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was rough. So let's talk a little bit about Jared Goff. Um, I think we already did already, but still we'll just go right back to that. Well, because there's a lot to talk about and he's just going to be the guy we're just going to be talking about for the rest of the year. And I'm always going to be a little negative because again, I think it's my, my negativity is more of a long-term approach to it. I think, I think he can still play very well. I just don't know how much you want to tie your wagons the rest of the year, but I understand that's kind of a hard bar to set when he did have some good plays here. When you do put pressure on, on Jared Goff, he did not wilt under that pressure. 
Like I, I think I thought he, t- he took like an oddball sack early in the game, but then came right back from it. Usually after a sack like that, his head starts to go to go to places. But I thought after that later in the game, especially in that fourth quarter, you put the you you asked two things from the team. You asked Jared Goff to put together a drive to a touchdown a drive to win the game. And you asked your defense to stand on its head one last time against Justin Fields. So let's go to the former. Let's go to that touchdown drive. Because he made that he made that work and he got I was yeah. that as long of the day that 44 yard to Tom Kennedy? Oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, 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 not exactly a dragon, field, but, but still like pushing well, the ball downfield to someone you don't usually go to. Yeah. Credit, credit still. Listen, I, the, the one thing we keep saying about Jared Goff, and I already said this, but he needs to make a, he needs to show that he can, he can work things out when things aren't perfect for him. And the offensive yes. line wasn't perfect for him. The, the wide receiving group is not perfect for him. And on that game winning drive where they go 91 yards, who does he target? Tom freaking Kennedy, like he's he's making a crap crap. He's not the right word for Tom Kennedy, but under under average player looking great. Big play from Tom Kennedy on a laser throw, by the way. And I think earlier in that drive, he hit Khalif. Yeah, he did. Khalif Raymond for 20 yards. So 64 of the of those 91 yards came from guys that aren't starting on any other NFL team. And that's what that's what you have to do to be a great quarterback in this league. So listen, he had a great quarterback moment in this game. I, I'm not afraid to say it. Um, and and I think the moment where I'm just like, this game might be different for Jared Goff was early in the game. Lions were facing like a third and 15, third and 16. And what do we see the Lions do 90% of the time when they're facing a third and that long? Draw play, screen play. Yeah. Now, granted, up. there were some draw plays in this game that were just very enraging, but yes. Sure. But there were there were never there was never that give up play on a drive, and what what does Jared Goff do? He finds I think it was Amon Ross St. Brown for a big like twenty yard game and continues to drive. And I think they either score a touchdown on that drive or they they get a field goal out of it. It's a scoring drive. So do you do you wonder if there's anything to say about that? The Lions every time they got to a fourth down situation, they decided to to punt. I believe were did they? No, no, they scored. They had a fourth and goal that they they scored. They they did have one fourth down that where they went for it, but still, usually the Lions very aggressive on fourth down situations, but deciding to play it defensive here and punting. Do you think that because Jared Goff wasn't asked to be in a lot of fourth down decisions, was that maybe helping him get a little more comfortable that it wasn't in that kind of like, oh God, the entire house is about to come at you here? I don't know. I I mean, it's not like he wasn't put in pressure positions. Like he's mm-hmm. down fourteen in the fourth quarter. Um, had had to pull out a couple touchdown drives there, and he did. Um, I don't know. I think I think overall we all make a little bit too much of these fourth downs, and and Dan Campbell getting all risky and gambly. Um, but no, I I, I don't know. I think. I, listen, he made he made a touchdown pass on a fourth and goal. Mm-hmm. Found last another one wide open. Last play shout out here. to really quick shout out to to um. Offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for I know it wasn't his greatest game and there were a lot of head scratching plays like mm-hmm. you said but for, for two weeks in a row now he's managed to scheme up a play where a line a, a tight a tight end there's not like a guy within ten feet of him. Once again, we can add Brock Wright to the post T.J. Hawkinson tight ends getting touchdowns. That's so. right. Last one here. We'll make this one quick. Are you worried at all at this point now about DeAndre Swift? more worried i mean like when was i not worried about deandre that's true but like i I, now that they have him healthy he the use is still very low he's not healthy 
I don't think he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, I mean he's still but he's available. Work. He's available, I should say. Right. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like those first couple games we got Amon Ra back, right? Like, yeah, he's in the game, but he doesn't seem right. And that's what I feel like DeAndre Swift has been like for the past three weeks. And it feels like that that's just the DeAndre Swift we're going to get for the rest of the season. It's frustrating. It's part of the reason why the off why the, the running game has been in a, in a pretty severe downward trend the past three or four weeks. But yeah, they're they're giving more touches to Justin Jackson, and he's fine, but he's not the answer. He's not going to help you. I overall like like Justin Jackson. I thought played okay, but the talent difference is there between him and DeAndre Swift. No question. I mean, huge difference. I'm I'm wondering at 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 some point do we just either. I don't know. We call it quits on Swift and be like, listen, it's just not working out right now. You're not, you're not playing the way we want you to play. You're injured. Can, I mean, I hate to sound like kind of these fans that always get obsessed with late round draft picks, but I'm starting to itch for Jamar Jefferson a little bit. <laughs> like I Those just, flashes I just want to see we had from else. Jamar Jefferson last year, right before he got injured. Yeah. Let's just yeah. see what he got. Like I want to, I want to just see what he has at this point, because honestly, Jamal Williams is doing fine. He's doing what we expect him to do. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Justin Jackson isn't it. DeAndre Swift isn't it right now. And and obviously you, you lost Craig Reynolds for maybe the year. It's on IR. So well, I think I think the problem for DeAndre Swift is once again, this is a guy you we we it, like Jared Goff, the question of DeAndre Swift is always one of more than just this season, right? It's yeah. is this guy worth being a part of your franchise long term as you are coming off year two? of a rebuild and developing your identity for the new regime is DeAndre Swift part of that. And right now, unfortunately at the start of this year, they wanted him to be part of it. They want him to be a key part of it. And unfortunately I it's trending the wrong way right now. It, it really is like it, after some remarkable games to start the year, just, <clears throat> I know, man. I know running back health is hard. I know it's very hard. We are watching, like we were just talking about this during the break. Saquon Barkley, probably should get comeback player of the year for the giants, considering how many years he spent dealing with massive injuries and now he's belting it off. But I don't know how many more years you can really afford with Deandre Swift at this point. No, he's only under contract for one more year. So yeah, might be it. I don't know. Let's maybe, quick... maybe we're bearing him too much too early, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. Man. We still got a half of half of a season of football to play. So he's got plenty of chances to prove it. And lions will be better if Deandre Swift can involve himself in that run game. Cause we've seen, we it, like like with Jared Goff, it's it, this is a matter of we see the flashes, we see the brilliance. We just need you to overcome the lows because the lows are very bad. And you, I, I am always a big believer of higher of higher floor versus higher ceiling and a, and a low floor. It's more consistent that way. But anyway, let's take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to look ahead to what this means. Um, we might have some interesting developments when it comes to where the Lions stand, both in draft position and in the rest you, of the NFC. Are you going to say the P word? I am not going to say the <laughs> P word. I will okay. leave that to you, Mr. PP. No, thank you. Okay. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, sipping a little bit too much Kool-Aid. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Let's wrap this one up. Put this one to bed, even though I want to keep reveling in the celebration of a victory Monday, Jeremy. 
book. We got plenty of time to do that. Sure. Let's look ahead. Let's drink a little bit more of the Kool-Aid. I think yeah. we've been a little more Kool-Aid than we should be on this. Lions still obviously at the end of the day, three and six. But given the state of the NFC. <laughs> oh, I like where the sentence is going. Given the state of the NFC, weird things can happen. <laughs> and all I'm going to say right now is recording this before Sunday night football. Right now, before the 49ers have played, the 40, they are one and a half games back. I got to give this up to Mansour Shaheen, our, <laughs> our alumni of Pride, our alum of Pride of Detroit, saying that right now, one and a half games back of the 49ers and thus that final wild card spot. I refuse to believe. <laughs> well, here, I'll, I'll, here's I, I, I want to preface this with saying I don't think the Lions have a shot, a realistic shot at a wild card. No. They'd have to they'd have to play. Like. What they'd do have to run the table, Jeremy, and I see no, no they, reason why they can't. They wouldn't run have to the run table. the table. 11, 11 and six would get them easily in. I think they probably only need to get to nine and eight, but that still means playing what five? No, six and two football the rest of the way. Yeah, you have to play seven fifty football. Yeah, which is probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, with that caveat out of the way, Lions have a decent three and four record in the conference, which is a big tiebreaker. They have a two and one record in the division, which is a tiebreaker in case you're you're tied with, let's say, the Packers for a wild card spot. They've beaten Washington, which is a team in front of them. So they have the, the head-to-head tiebreaker there. So if you want to be optimistic for a week, if you want to plan out scenarios, if you want to look at the Lions schedule and say win, 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 loss, win, 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 fine. I'm not going to stop you. They have winnable games left on the schedule. They can beat the Giants next week. I think that's a winnable game. They they can beat the Jaguars. They can get, beat the Bears again. They can beat the Packers again. Skipping the that's Bills. four wins already. You're, you're skipping the Bills completely. Well, yeah, of course I'm skipping yes, the Bills because yes. I'm not going to win the Bills game I, unless Josh Allen is is hurt. Um, I don't see them winning that game. They they could beat the Vikings. That Panthers, Panthers game is, is another one. Did you see Panthers is very winnable. Yes. Sure. Listen, they, they have 50-50 shots in maybe five or, or six of these games. Thing is, those 50-50 shots don't always go in your direction. That's why they're no. 50-50 shots. No, and we've seen in the past that there are plenty of winnable games the Lions have just excused themselves from sure. at the end of the day. Sure. It's just all a matter of, is this progress beating these bad teams in front of you, and is that potable to other bad teams that are going to be coming down the pike? I think the more interesting question is, as I'm sitting here watching Cooper Cup leave the Rams game, and it's something that I kept getting asked in the post-game show. Uh, look, and I, I, I hate the draft position jockeying. I pay attention to it probably more than you do. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, rooting for it? Absolutely not. I do not root for it as much. And I know Bears fans, some Bears fans were like, all right, we get draft position out of this loss. And I'm like, all right, great. We still beat you. Fuck you. Um, but... <clears throat> There's, I was asked this several times in the postgame show, Jeremy. How likely is it that the Lions might finish now above the Rams? Uh, like their pick might come after the Rams. I think it's but very they, possible. Yeah. I, I think it's it's very possible. Well, the, the, the big thing is that it's the strength of schedule tiebreaker that they have. Like the, the, the right. Rams have a much lower uh, strength of schedule number. Right. And so that means if the Lions and, and the Rams finish – with the same record, the Lions' pick is technically going to be lower than, than the Rams' pick. And that's likely, you know, we're still waiting for the Rams' game to end, but that's that's essentially what the scenario is going to be after this week, right? Is mm-hmm. the Lions and Rams are both going to be three and six. 
the Rams pick is going to be about seventh is, is what it's looking like right now while the Lions pick is 12th or 13th. So, and, and you look down the stretch, like we just talked about the lines a bit, a little bit. The Rams still have the game against the chiefs. They still have both their games against Seattle. Cooper cup might be missing some games. We don't know when, when Stafford's going to be back from, from his concussion. It sounds like he, he was trending in the right direction towards the end of the week. So maybe he doesn't miss another game, but either way, that offense wasn't exactly spectacular with him in the lineup. So yeah, no, I and we could, later be, in the- could, could give us a top 10 pick. And, and if that's the case, we need to go back and retroactively point at the people who said, Hey, you should have taken the Panthers pick. It was a top 10 pick. Well, Lions, Lions I, might, I really, might be on track I, 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 to getting a think, top 10 pick and a, a second first round pick. I, I want to swear off. I, I want to call a truce. We will not go back and talk about those people who wanted the Panthers pick. If by God, if you people will shut up about Justin Fields, that that could have been the Lions pick. I am so tired of going back and relitigating past drafts, Jeremy. It I, More than talking about draft position, I don't want to relitigate past drafts. I'm so tired of it right now, Jeremy. I'm so tired. Of it. I don't care that you were right about who should have been drafted what or this guy should. Draft order is the worst. We don't need to relitigate. It, it, no, it's not just it's that. Worst. I am talking it about is. a specific. I am talking about, but I can tolerate most of it. I'm talking about a, a specific thing in that you are looking bad at something that cannot be changed, does not mean anything. Nobody is going to suddenly listen to you as being the draft czar. And you're not going to get a GM job. You're not going to get a scouting job. I'm just tired of hearing you say, appreciate me. I was right about two years ago. Great. That is like Monday morning quarterbacking to the nth degree. And I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it because it's just noise. And I hate noise most of anything. I want to have either productive conversations or I want to have fun conversations. I want to either talk shit and like just, just have giggles we want to have productive conversations and productive means present and future it does not mean past the past is the past. You cannot change the past. You don't have a effing time machine, please. For the love of God, stop talking to me because when you start talking about, Oh, the Lions could have had Justin Fields. You sound like the people who are also saying the Lions could have had like two hour Herbert too. Like it's just, it's I, I stop, 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 stop. Also, we don't we don't know the whole story on fields too. whatever. Anyway, uh, back to it. But like, yeah, no, I think this does change looking ahead to the draft. It does change some of the draft strategy to have these picks. You know, maybe the Lions aren't going to have the top pick out there now. Maybe that plays them out a little bit of the top quarterbacks. And now we've got to do deeper dives on quarterbacks or maybe look at other positions or, you know, it. Chris. Yeah. Stop talking about the draft. I'm sorry. Stop it. Okay. I, I don't want. Gonna, I was gonna. I was gonna mention something about the Vikings pick, but fine, I won't. Uh, well, no, the Lions have draft capital. If they want to get a quarterback, they get a quarterback. Let's not. Let's not worry ourselves about okay, that sort of okay, stuff right now. Okay, like, okay. talk talk about constructive conversations. We'll have those conversations when. Well, looks like here's what you need to know. Looks like the Rams and the Lions pick are going to be in the top half of the draft. Great, cool. We'll figure out what to do with them after. I want to talk. I want to go talk back about the Lions a little bit, and like what the past two performances mean going forward. And and maybe maybe some more optimism going forward because for because I think the the dirty little secret here is that the Lions have not only won on the heels of their defense in two weeks, but they've weathered the storm of some pretty gnarly injuries on offense. And guess what? Next week, DJ Chark can come off IR. Guess what? Josh Reynolds is going to get healthy pretty soon, and it seems like he's trending towards playing. If not next week, then the week after mm-hmm. that. And guess what? We still got a gift underneath the Christmas tree that's going to get 
unboxed in December. And that, that guy's name is Jameson Williams. And so I'm not saying he's going to help them go on a run to the playoffs. Yeah. That's probably, I, not I, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, I, I want to ask about this. Cause I think we had a conversation on a, on a Friday Q and a, where we waiting for Malcolm Rodriguez. Some people have asked me, we, we Malcolm couldn't make the, the podcast either way, but people were asking us like, what do you do with Jameson Williams? Just treat this year as a red shirt. And like, you wait, you lose nothing by playing him this year. And he could honestly use the NFL experience in games to get ready. Like it doesn't change his contract. It doesn't change. Well, the, it doesn't the only, the only concern it. Like, is injury, right? They don't right. want him to get an injury. But that's Although, true of every it's NFL football. game. Yeah, Correct. it's football. It's, it's, it's true of every NFL game. You want at some point to him to get the seasoning. And I think no better time than jumping into the present right now and, and seeing what he can do in November and December. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not expecting the Lions offense to go back to where they were. I think they were overperforming in the first half of the season. But I also mm-hmm. think with as bad as it's been in the past few weeks, and I know they just, I mean, they, they technically and, and didn't score 30 injury, points, we, we but the, the team about... scored 30 points. But I'm just saying, I, I expect the offense to bounce back from kind of this this four or five game streak lull in which they still won two games in. So, again, not talking playoffs, but I'm saying they're going to they're gonna be a little bit more fun than they've been. And they're going to be in just about every single game, maybe even the Bills game. Who knows? Right. We 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 also did we talk about this on stream because like we talked a little bit about the offensive line struggles. I did see news that Kyle Mikey reporting Frank Ragnow in a walking boot. Now, sure. granted, that might not mean anything. Aaron Aaron Jones was in a walking boot after the after the uh, Packers game last week, and I believe he's playing this week. So, but still, Frank Ragnow's dealt with a lot of kind of lingering ex- injuries, especially on his toes. So it's not it's not promising. No, it's it's but just it's it's, yeah. it's a it's, it's an injury that's been bothering him all season along, and it's 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 clearly affecting his his play a little bit, and I don't think he was at his best in this game, and so he, I mean, again, it's just something that the lines are going to have to deal with. It's it it sucks because he's 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 the best player on the team in a lot of ways. Maybe maybe not right now, but he he's he's so good, and to have him not at his best, even if he does play this upcoming week it's hard to expect him to be at his best. So that's, that's a frustrating thing going forward. And, and I do think there is some concern there, right? Like maybe eventually they slide Evan Brown back to, to center, but then who takes right guard because Vitae isn't coming back this year. Um, maybe Tommy Kramer, maybe you get him back from injury. It sounds like the lines expect him to at least practice in, in the near future, but either way, we're talking about shuffling the deck again on the offensive line and, I'm just so sick of doing that, man. Yeah, I it's it was rough watching it the past few years. And now it's just. Like we talked about the start of the season, like it's like, hey, they're all together and held. Oh, it's gone already. Didn't even get a game out of them again. Yeah. But it sucks. It's injuries. It happens. Yeah, it's, it, it's football. It's football at the end of the day. It just sucks that it continually happens both to the wide receivers and mm-hmm. the uh, the offensive line. but. It's t- I mean, I feel bad for Trinity Benson too, man. Like, just gets getting, karate chopped in the neck, and then and then like it draws. Like, it's funny, but it also like I don't want to laugh because it it threw him off balance and he hurt his knee. Like, he may have torn his ACL or something. Jeez, it's just uh, it's it sucks. It sucks that the Lions seem to be going through it more than any other team, it, which is not completely true, but they certainly have been going through it more than than a lot of teams have. Yeah, it's it's hard too because like God, like even watching Amon Ross St. Brown coming up limping on that one play, like right. every, he's at this probably point, not going to be hundred percent now. 
everything is just scary this time of year when it comes to injuries. Yeah. But lines have weathered quite a bit of storms so far this year. And, uh, Looks like they're they're finally as much as I hate this phrase because I think it's silly and kind of nonsensical. But Chris, this team is finally learning how to win. We'll see if they can do that against the Giants, the G-Men, who you continue continued to say are frauds. They are. Okay. Okay. That doesn't mean I think the Lions are going to win, but they're frauds. If they win, do I just do I do I just call him Danny Dimes for that entire podcast? Ew! Why would you do that? To piss you off. You you would do that to yourself? You Not would degrade you. yourself just to piss me off? Yes. Wait, of course you would. Of course you yes, would. Yes, of course I don't even I know would. why I said that. Who, who, who do you think you are? <laughs> I am. Uh, that's it for the POD cast. Uh, auctions are up. Please donate. I already see the, donate, the auction prices are uh, going up. So be sure to check those out on pridedetroit.com. Please give generously for the Alzheimer's Association. We'll be adding everything up at some point. So I think we're already maybe at the point where I might be going to Olive Garden here very soon. Getting there. Not in the luchador mask, though. We we already have to promise people an old-timey baseball stream at some point. I need to go and get a pillbox hat to really finish that up. But uh, and some and some spiked cleats. Make that all make that all sing and have fun. And uh, yeah, what else do we have, Jeremy? What else do we have to announce? I, nothing. Just the Lions are, are three and six, baby. Two, two and one in the NFC North. That's what we got to announce. Lions are in second place as of this moment in the NFC North. Celebrating a, 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 a losing record, but still having fun. That's right. That's what the we are. We place. are the Detroit Lions are the shit post of the NFL. And with all shit posts, you have fun shit posting. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.